My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is, is Anamorphology. The Invasion. The Visitor. The Encounter. The Message. The Predator. The Capture. The Stranger. The and The Secret. The Android. The Forgotten. The Reaction. The Chain. The Unknown. The Escape. The Warning. The Decision. The Slow Departure. The Sick Discovery. The Proposed Threat. The Conspiracy. The Separation. The Deception. The Suspicious Existence. The Unexpected Sacrifice. The Diversion. And the Beginning. So I walked out of here after we recorded <laughs> episode 12, and as I was walking home, I thought to myself, hold on, now that I've had more than 30 seconds to think about what my prediction for this book is going to be, I want to go back. And so I texted you guys yes, to say you did. that actually I want it to be the change is now Tobias is back to being a boy somehow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but that's what I want to be the change. And I didn't get any of that wish at all. Also, I was very wrong. Wait, what? What do you mean you're very wrong? I mean, okay, gotta... you actually, at the end of the first time we recorded episode 12.5, which we sadly lost the footage, you predicted that the Elemist would give him the power, or would turn him back into Oh, I'm so smart. Yeah. And actually, when you texted us with that, Ted and I were like, darn it, she got it. And so then Ted texted you a very, a true, but very misleading story about how he had a dream that Did I throw you off happened. the scent? You did a little bit. <laughs> and then I started reading this and I was like, hey! <laughs> well, so this is, I have this really strong memory of having a dream that I read an Animorphs book where Tobias got turned back into a boy and like not realizing it was a dream right away uh, to the point where like when I got the next Animorphs book, I was like, didn't I read this? Oh, <laughs> that never happened. Maybe but, the Elemis sent you that dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then it clearly, and like it must have happened back in like third grade when <laughs> I was reading these for the first time because there weren't that yeah. many before book 13 came out. You're psychic. And I would definitely so, read them in order. You guys, I love this book so much. I'm just gonna. It's really that. good. It's, so, it's good. so good. So good. Like the oh whole God. thing. I think I it's the it. best book so far. It's my favorite so far. I think it's probably the best book so far yeah. because of how consistent it is. It's really but like, like there I don't are no know. weak parts of this book. Seven's really good. Yeah. Three's really good. Six, I like six. Three's even know. more angsty. This one's three is just, more angsty. I just I loved it so much. It had the, such a good action plot. Such good character yes. stuff. From the opening line, I was so happy about this book. My name is Tobias. Uh, I was like, yes, another Tobias book. You skipped one and I didn't like it and now you're back. But then also I, as we know, have had a whole thing about Rachel and Tobias. Yeah. And I've got to be honest, for the first 12 books, I kind of thought I was making it up. I was reading into it. I was making my own little headcanon. Nope. Mm-mm, That's so funny up. because I thought we, like, we don't do a good job in general. Well, Ted does a better job than I do of, like, hiding stuff, like, when you're right about things. And I feel like we were just really blatant about Rachel and Tobias. We're like, yeah, they're canon. They're a thing. Like, I thought you were going along with my crazy Aww. theory. They have, the, they have the Empire Strikes Back moment. The, I love you. I know. Okay, he doesn't say I love you. Or, but it's the, like, Rachel, I never told you. You didn't have to, Tobias. I knew. Yeah, but it was still, like... It could have been friendship. Been so many they're 13. Okay. But yeah, I'm we'll, get in, we'll get into that. Very we'll happy about it. Yeah. Everything about this book. I was so happy about it. It's my favorite so far. The end. 
So I think we all feel like that. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna do some the summary. So at the beginning of this book, Tobias is flying around. He sees a picture of a school. So he goes to visit the school and he sees all the animorphs. And he sees Rachel walking in the sun and her beautiful golden hair flashes in the sun. They go flying. Uh, but before they do that, Tobias sees something in her notebook. She's been named a Packard Foundation Outstanding Student. And there's an award ceremony and he's really bummed that he can't go. He's like, ah, it's great to be able to fly with Rachel, but I really miss this human stuff. So they're flying around. He's trying to show her how he's been mapping out the entrances to the air pool. Suddenly, he's not where he thought he was supposed to be. And this happens, like, twice. And he's like, what? What the heck? Like, I know how to fly. This isn't how physics works. And then he sees two horpedeer move a tree aside, come out, and, like, something's weird. It turns out all the Yerks are chasing these horpedeer. They figure out, like, maybe these horpedeer are, like, enemies of the Yerks. So Tobias, like, flies, like, at ground level through the forest and helps them escape. And it's super exciting. And one of them, he manages to hide in a cave. The other one sort of gets hit by a truck and gets lost. So he brings the other Anwarfs to see this Horkbajir in a cave. This Horkbajir is named Jarahami. And Jarahami is like, no, no, Yurk, I'm free. And like cuts his head open to show them. And so they're like, okay. And he wants them to save the other Horkbajir, who is his wife, Ket Helpak. And the Yurks the Yurks are really after these two. And so the Yurks are converging on them. Rachel morphs the Horkbajir to like distract the, the Yurks and they manage to they manage to keep Jara free. But Tobias, the thing happens again, where he's not where he was a minute ago. He's like suddenly really far away. And he's at a meadow where the Yurks have cornered the other Horkbajir and he manages to distract Visser 3, which is very impressive, get her away, get them both in a cave. So they're both fine. Tobias is like, keep in watch overnight. Everyone else goes home. Uh, he and Axe are there. Suddenly Tobias has a vision. He sees that a bunch of taxons are approaching them through the trees. They're like tracking by scent, which he didn't even know taxons could do. So he sends Axe to go wake up Jake and the others, and he starts walking with Horkbajir through the woods towards this valley where the Horkbajir can live, which he also got in a vision that he doesn't know where it came from. So while he's walking, he's talking to the Horkbajir, and he learns that Jarahami also heard a voice in his head telling him to run from the Yerks and to go this way and to bring his wife. And he's like, okay, this is not cool. I'm being used. Everyone stop. We're not moving until I figure out what's going on. And the Elemist suddenly appears and he's like in a vision. The Elemist is like, well, yeah, don't you want to help save these Horkbajir? Like, seems like a good thing. And Tobias is like, yeah, but if you're going to use me like this, I want to get paid. And the Elemist asks him what he wants. And he's like, you know what I want. And the Elemist is like, yes, but do you? So then the vision's over. He's like, great. The Elemist is going to make me human again. Keeps walking with these Horkbajir. Almost gets eaten by a bobcat. Can't get any breakfast. It's rough. The other Animorphs show up. He tells Rachel what the Elmists planned for him. The Animorphs and the Horkbajir start walking towards this valley in the mountains. And, like, the entire Yurk army is, like, after them in this forest. And Tobias manages to get breakfast. But while he's doing it, helicopters show up and he's too far away to warn his friends. The helicopter starts setting fire to the trees. It's terrible. And Tobias crashes into a tree and breaks his wing. When he falls to the ground, he gets, like, grabbed by a raccoon and is about to be eaten in a stream. Like, this is going to be how Tobias dies. And the Elmist is like, so did you want that reward now? And Tobias is like, yes, yes, now it would be good. And the Elmist is like, it's done. And he's like, what's done? I'm still a bird. And uh, the Elmist is like, the ant I gave you power. Use it. And Tobias acquires the raccoon, turns into it, and it turns out he can morph again, which is not what he thought he was asking for. So he turns back into a bird, goes and finds the Animorphs, and they come up with this crazy plan where two of them are going to morph Horkbajir and pretend to be Jarrah and Ket and, like, fake the Horkbajir's deaths. And Jake is like, I'll do it. And Tobias is like, no, I'll do it. And everyone's like, what? 
and he does it. He morphs a Harkvadir, and he and Rachel run through the Yurks and, like, jump into a ravine, and Marco and Grillamorph grabs them and pulls them into a cave before they can splat on the bottom. But then the real Harkvadir at the bottom, getting, quote-unquote, eaten by these wolves, who are Jake and Cassie, because Harkvadir can stand a lot of pain. And so it looks like their dead bodies being consumed by extremely timely wolves, and Viscerther is like, ha no one escapes the Yurk Empire. And uh, they wait till the Yurks leave, they bring the Harpajir to this beautiful valley where they can live and have children and be the only two free members of their species, and it's very happy. And then the next day, Tobias, oh, that night, Tobias has a dream. The Elemist, like, sends him back through time to visit his 13-year-old self the night before they walk through the construction site and meet the Andalite. Tobias tells his younger self to go through the construction site with Jake and makes all this happen for himself. And he acquires himself so that he can morph his human body. And he goes to the award ceremony the next day and surprises Rachel. The end. That was like 60 seconds on the dot. It was such a wonderful book. Great, where should we start? Where should we start? (laughs) Uh, um, Do you want to talk about how you were totally right? You were totally right. I mean, you thought what Tobias thought, right? You thought thought he was going to be human again. I did. And... Then I had the thought when, so the Elmish shows up and says, I will reward you. And Tobias says, you know what I want. And I said, no, (laughs) don't do that. Yes. As with any time you are offered a wish (laughs) by any supernatural being of any Uh kind, you have to be very, very specific. Well, the thing is, if they want to screw you over, they'll figure out a way to do it anyway. Yeah, but you can make it more difficult than just that's true. I know, we could have at least said it. So then I was worried for the rest of the... Until the Elemist actually kind of gave him the wish that what he was going to do was turn him human and have no morph capability. And that would have been so much worse. That's the exact opposite of what happened. Exactly. So I think this was better. I was just going to say, where have you come in terms of how you feel about the Elemist? You really didn't like him in book seven. I still hate him. (laughs) Even though he... Do you think he really did what Tobias wanted? No. Do you think, think he read the desire of his heart? No, I think he's a real jerk. I, really? Yeah. So right before he showed up, as he and the Horkvizier are talking about, we had this voice in our head and we you know, don't know what it was. And my note was just, if this is the f***ing element again, I swear to God. <laughs> and then he showed up and he started talking and I said, oh, good. I still hate him. <laughs> also, and this is not important at all, but... What exactly is the Alamist's plan here? You're going to save the controllers two at a time on a on another planet? <laughs> They're Adam and Eve Horkvadir. This is the dumbest plan. I mean, even the Alamist is, does not make good plans. Well, yeah. Before we get into that. that yeah. <laughs> so I really like the moment at the end where, to, so Tobias, he says to the Alamist that the Alamist kept his promise, right? So Tobias, yeah. I think, gets what he wants, according mm-hmm. to Tobias, at least in that moment. Yeah. And there's this beautiful... There's this beautiful realization that he goes through where he sees himself the night before all this happened. And he's like, that's not who I am anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So and I don't want to go I back I thought it was that. a really powerful yeah. moment of acceptance in that even though there's this weird, like, deterministic time travel stuff that's going on, too, that we mm-hmm, can talk mm-hmm. about. But, like, just just that Tobias has the opportunity to see his old self and really... And he has the opportunity to, at least he thinks, to divert himself from what happened. Like, he thought about saying, don't go through the construction site. And instead, he told him to go through the construction site. So yeah. he really chose this outcome for himself. I mean, that doesn't mean he's totally happy with it. But. Right. And I think it is the best outcome of mm-hmm. the two that I had considered. I mean, obviously, the best of all outcomes is he's back to being a human with morning so? ability. 
Because <laughs> he seems really conflicted about that. Like, he talks about how he had this golden vision of human life, but that was never what life was like for him. Right, and his family doesn't miss like, him. As a human kid, sad. he couldn't take care of himself. As a hawk, he can. It's a good point. I mean, and, and the whole book, I think, is designed to really give you a sense of how conflicting that choice is, because it has both the moments of freedom and kind of confidence and success that comes with the hawk, and also mm-hmm. these incredible moments of just terror. Yeah, it really shows you both sides of yeah, that. Yeah, and how difficult it is to be a wild animal with no nothing to fall back on. He can't right. go home. But part of his conflict is, it's not really being a hawk, it's not being part of the fight, mm-hmm. right? The thing he that keeps coming back to it, is yeah. how... Yeah. Oh well, like Rachel gets to volunteer for these dangerous things, mm-hmm. but I can't. You know, he's he has really to do extra to right, extra homework, <laughs> tracking controllers to find out where York Pool entrances are, mm-hmm. to make up for the fact that he can't go on every mission, and none of the animals. And Rachel's think like, that you don't him. have to do extra work, right? Like, and he's like, so, sure, yeah, whatever. So and in that sense, anyway. if if choosing between morphing and being human, if he can't get them both, which he kind of does, mm-hmm. he would pick morphing, right? Just being back in the. Right. Being back in the fight, as opposed to what you were worried about, where he's right. human, but he can't, he's even less yeah, able I mean, to participate. Being human and not being able to morph would be the absolute worst, because mm-hmm. then he'd basically lose his entire community. Yeah. Like, he didn't have that before the Animorphs, and right. now he it's like the everything. most important thing to him. One of the things that, that, that struck me about that is, he says, well, you and the others have been off saving the world, I've been busy too. And this is him doing Aww. the extra work of yeah. finding the and And I've pointed out with some frustration that he does get left out a lot and they forget yeah. to like tell him what happened and if they survive. Yeah. But it also seemed a little bit like the kind of sentiment you might expect from someone in a more kind of spy role in the company mm-hmm. of warriors mm-hmm. that their contributions aren't seen as much yeah. because they're doing the kind of you know, the eyes in the sky work, but they're yeah. not fighting. And I think that's very much where he comes from. And then what I thought was a nice balance to that was that at the end when he's on the ground and Jake is the eye in the sky, <laughs> Jake does a terrible really job. Jake is terrible at Jake's directions. like, uh, uh, my left. No, your left. Uh. He, right. And he just gets very confused and like he doesn't understand. He's like, it's like looking at a map. What do I tell you? And Jake is like, tell us whether we should go right or left. Or, sorry, Tobias says. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, it really highlights too. the importance of his role. Yeah. But the thing that struck me really was when he, the Elemist moves him, like, through space to save Ket Halpak, and he has to, like, literally fight Visser 3. Visser 3 is there. Tobias has to fly at him and graze his stock eyes, which Visser 3 is bad with his stock eyes, incidentally. Why would he turn all his eyes in one direction? But he is facing off against Visser 3, and he's like, man, once again, I missed the battle. It's like, Tobias, <laughs> right. you have the most skewed perspective in the entire world. You are know, not missing the battle. You were just in the toughest battle of them all. Really That's good so point. true. The other thing that I love about when Jake is giving directions is before Jake starts screwing it up, <laughs> Tobias immediately mutters something like, well, yeah, of course you're enjoying it being all up there safe while I'm doing it. <laughs> He's just like, he goes straight into being a hypocrite. And I think it's just how Tobias deals with things. Like, there are actually a lot of great moments where he's just kind of like muttering things to himself, even like thought speak muttering to himself. Um, but I just, I love that immediately he's like, oh yeah, it's so nice to be up there safe from harm while I'm here doing, you know, getting my hands dirty. Well, although that is actually rather consistent with his view of himself, because he's like, yeah, I never have to do the dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I loved how bad other... Jake was at that. He's like, what should I even be looking for? And Tobias like, this is the kind of thing you should be looking for, because Tobias is actually mm-hmm. is an expert at this. Yeah. He has a lot of experience. It's not just that he has the bird body. I also really liked immediately before that line about, you know, it's easy for you to be cocky, you're up there safe. Um, 
Jake is saying, okay, you guys know what direction to go after the Yerks catch your trail, right? He's trying to remind them of what they're doing. And Rachel goes, yeah, yeah, we know, we know, Mother. What are we, idiots? And then to me, she said, we do know, right? So Rachel, it's so Rachel. She does not want to deal with it from her cousin, but she's just checking in with Tobias. We do know what we're doing, don't we? So I liked, this is a side note on this scene, I liked how the book forgot that Axe existed for the entirety of that sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because... It was like, oh, Axe and Cassie, you're going to like morph wolves. And then I guess they realized that Axe doesn't have a wolf morph. So then they just entirely left him out and had Jake morph somehow like instantly from. Yeah, I feel like that <laughs> was like probably someone caught that like minutes before it was published. Yeah. And they and were then, like, like, how can we change? fix this as quickly like, as possible? They didn't have time to rewrite all Jake's dialogue to be Axe's dialogue. Right. I'm sure, air, it, was just, I'm sure good, it was Axe. Yeah. And then they added a paragraph <laughs> and then said, we're you done. You could have acquired a wolf sometime in front yeah, Cassie's exactly. barn in the meantime. Exactly. I have a couple other good Tobias lines. So, oh, please share them. So that sounds one amazing. Is, he doesn't mutter, but he's when he, in that Visser 3 saving cat scene, mm-hmm. he's in another bird's meadow, and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, well, like, I can use the bird to distract Visser 3 or whatever, but he thinks, it's, the meadow's pretty good. It's not as nice as my meadow, of course. <laughs> yes. Um, and then earlier, he's like, he's like really exerting himself, trying to save... Um, the hork when he's navigating through the, the woods, and he's like, ah, oh, thank goodness I ate a good breakfast today. <laughs> That's amazing. I like how when he's, like, been fighting, like, for his life, like, five different times, he shows up, and Marco's like, oh, there you are. I thought you'd float up to somewhere safe. And Tobias is like, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Right. I wanted to kill Marco myself. Yeah. A lot in this book. Yeah, Marco bad, was awful in this book. Bad Marco book. Bad Marco book. But the the time speaking of Tobias kind of muttering to himself, they when they meet up with him after so he's been up all night, he hasn't mm-hmm. eaten in ages. He's had a really rough couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just very nearly been eaten by a bobcat, still hasn't had breakfast. So he meets up with Jake, he sees Rachel and Cassie, and then Marco comes swooping down and almost like plunges into Tobias. Oh yeah. Just and to be like, a dick. Yeah. Like, just to be a dick. And then Tobias very reasonably yells at him. This is not the time to be messing with me. I was about one feather away from being kitty food and I'm hungry and I'm tired and I'm mad. Jake says, chill Tobias. Jake said kindly, you can relax. We're all here to help uh, you now. Was, no. I, I was Secret like, leader Tobias has to keep working. I was so mad about that. Like, I'm going to come and kick both of your feathery butts. Mm-hmm. Be nice. But yeah, uh, I think we should say more about how Marco is terrible in this book. Because, yeah, the thing was like, it's the Garden of Eden. Everyone take off your clothes. Rachel, you can go first. Stop sexually harassing Rachel. Mm-hmm. And then before that, there's, uh, at the beginning, they're talking about the hork Oh, please, yes. How exactly do you tell a man hork from a woman hork Do the women put makeup on their wrist blades? Do they use nail polish on those big, nasty toes of theirs? I mean, do female hork cry at chick movies? Do they mm-hmm. get all goo-goo when they see a baby? But I think the real question is, do female hork get all weird around <laughs> bugs and snakes? And I was like, shut up, Marco. And then right after that, Cassie threw a snake at him. And it was great. I loved her. <laughs> yes. And then when he said, come on, Rachel, you can you can start. Take out, you know, take off your clothes. Um, I know it was just, someone throw a snake at him, please. <laughs> <laughs> there are snakes in the Garden yeah. of Eden. That would have been very appropriate. I really want them to do that more. Yeah. I. Yeah, he plays this role of being skeptical. Like, and he's skeptical of the hork hork can have wives. You know, like, we can have... <laughs> there blah, are blah, female hork Why? Like, why would the hork not all be female? Like, why would you assume they're all male? That doesn't make any sense. Shut up, Marco. Shut up, Marco, indeed. This was a very shut up, Marco book. Mm-hmm. I did like the introduction of him, where... 
he was talking. This was not a surprise. Mm-hmm. And then everyone laughs, and he's like, Tobias is like, this is also not a surprise. And then the teacher is like laughing, even though she looks like she wants to not be laughing. There was yeah. um, a great Marco, one great Marco moment was oh, he good. sings new words for Barney songs from the 90s <laughs> references. Yes. So he sings, I kill you, you kill me, we're an alien family. <laughs> I yeah. did laugh about that. that really yeah, funny. brilliant. The, um, Another Marco thing I didn't like, much later, uh, Tobias is like, the Hork-Bajir are my friends. And Marco's like, you're friends with the Hork-Bajir, right? Oh, like, he Marco. just does this over and over and over in the book. The same kind of like, oh, you know, I have this narrow-minded view of the world. Also, he's friends with you. That takes much <laughs> He's used for some good physical comedy with Cassie yes. and Rachel later, because... They have this great bit where they're shouting, like, free or dead, and Marco won't go along. And Rachel comes over to him and shakes him by the shoulders until he <laughs> says it, which would be terrifying if Rachel did that to you. <laughs> With her 10,000 bright white teeth. And then later, Marco cli- is complaining about climbing up the mountain to get to the valley. And Cassie, he says something mean to Cassie, I think. And she's like, no, come on, just repeat after me. You're having fun with nature. You're having fun with nature. And she's just, like, she's shoving like, how about him this? I'm hungry. Yeah, I, I kind of, I liked the, like, group banter. I feel like he, his skills also occasionally showed to good use here. Like, he is good at sort of relaxing the group and, like, making everyone laugh. Even though this was maybe not the best view of him in this book. Well, one, we don't get Tobias coming to his defense, like like Rachel often did early on in the series. Saying, oh, yeah, like, true. Marco always makes these terrible jokes, but we know deep at heart, deep at heart, he's a good guy. <laughs> Tobias is Tobias just like, doesn't have that. super nope. annoying. <laughs> okay, so can we now... Talk about Rachel and Tobias. Yes, let's talk about Rachel and Tobias. It's the cutest and sweetest thing in the entire world. His description of her is he sees her walking outside and the sunlight catches her and her blonde hair became a flame of pure gold. Have you ever known a person who seems to walk through life with her own private spotlight shining on her? That's Rachel. Yeah. Ah! Also, just side note, kudos to Rachel for managing to be a Packard Foundation outstanding student while fighting a war against the Yerks. Yeah. It's been a while now. It's probably been, yeah. like, close to a year. And she's still keeping her grades up well enough for that. That's well, impressive. And in, I think it was... In 12, we found her grades were slipping a little. Only a little. Right, but... only a little. And back in 9, I think... She was getting better grades than Cassie in science. Yeah, yeah. I feel like she had an A average. Yeah, Cassie, yeah. Was... Cassie had a B average. Right. Because Rachel was all impressed that Cassie managed to keep up a B average while oh, also working yeah. in the wildlife rehabilitation. And then later she says, I'm not going to get my A average. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yes. Rachel's a real good student. I also love right after that, um, the way Tobias describes her waving at him with a twinkling of oh, two yeah. fingers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he... She's smooth, except that she shows the letter to him and doesn't mean Well, to. she doesn't mean to. And so she's hiding from him the fact, hiding oh, from Tobias yeah. the fact that she got she's getting this award because she knows he can't come to the award ceremony, as Jenny mentioned. she knows he would feel bad. And, and he tells her straight out, I don't want you hiding things from me, even when you think it's going to hurt my feelings. How you think about me is sort of important. Oh. And then he's a little embarrassed that he said that, but also, what it... In- Way to communicate. He's so crazy mature about this. Like he's so good at navigating this relationship. He's incredible. I adore him. Right. And so, like, and Rachel can't quite get there with him. But so it's kind of hard to realize this because he has this long internal bit of like self loathing where he's like, oh God, that was too sincere. What have I done? (laughs) And he tries to change the subject. Oh, well, come on, let's do this. But the the next thing Rachel says to me after he says, uh, how you think about me is sort of important. He's basically like, all right, follow me. And she says, on a day like this, I'd follow you anywhere. Yes. Just so sweet. I so, them so hard. it's obviously like a two way thing. It's obviously reciprocated. But I do get the feeling that, like, 
Rachel is more important to him. Like, this relationship is more important to him at this point than it is to her. Like, we just had this book where she, like, had fun with her crush on Jeremy Jason McCall and, like, didn't, re- like, you know, he was there. Like, they still had a relationship, but, like, it wasn't really a, a big thing. And she just, I think, has a lot more in her life. Like, she has, she still has a family, even if she can't be honest with them. And, and so it seems like she has sort of assumed this, like, all-important role in his life that maybe isn't quite balanced yet at this point. But Right. I feel like there are more moments in this book of her supporting him and being able to call mm-hmm. him out on kind of when he's being too hard on himself. Mm, there's um, a lot of that, yeah. And like at the end when they're they're both the Hork-Bajir who are going to jump off the ravine, mm-hmm. Tobias gets this weird bloodlust and Rachel surprisingly is able to be like, <laughs> um, you know, normally I'd be really into that, but not right now. Yeah. Right? So she's able That's to kind of point. help him help him along. They're and, such good pair. Yeah. Also in that early caper, there, there are controllers with human controllers with shotguns chasing the Hork-Bajir and Tobias is like, we can't do anything about shotguns. And oh, Rachel's like, we're just right. going to have to attack them directly. And Tobias is like, Rachel, have I ever mentioned that you are extremely cool? I love it. I love it so much. Wait, where's and the part? Oh, I mean, what was I thinking? Rachel's a human, a real human. I'm a hawk. You think Romeo and Juliet were doomed just from being from families that didn't like each other? He you can't compares them to Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> you can't heart. get any more doomed than caring for someone who isn't even the same species. Ugh. But we have never seen Rachel acknowledge their relationship like that. I think part of it is also he's a lot more in touch with his feelings than Rachel is. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I'm excited for her to get there though. And we don't we don't get her reaction at the the end of the book. It's such a <gasps> great cliffhanger, yes. but I really want to know what how she reacts. She says, you know? "Yeah, hello, Rachel." Is like the last line. It is, except that. Um, so, hi, Rachel is, is the last line, but she's looking for him, I, I think. Um, yeah. So, they're at the award ceremony, and she's, you know, walking a lot across to get her award. Cassie gives her a wink, and Rachel rolls her eyes. Marco makes a phony bow, like he was bowing before <laughs> some idol. And then she was right there in front of me. I saw her eyes sweep over me indifferent, then look past me toward the door. So, I think she's oh. looking for him to, like, appear in his in some yeah. more. Then she realizes she stopped walking. She turned to me. Her eyes were wide. Hi, Rachel, I said with a uh, human voice. Just, uh. <laughs> and then she's so, she's so like supportive when that, cause he's obviously annoyed at the Alamist, but when he's like, yeah, he's going to turn me back into human. She's like, that would be so great to buy us. And then later when she realizes she wants kind to be of, mad, like, right. She's really have. angry. She's like bitter about it. She's like, well, it's something, you know, you can morph. And he even, she even asks, I have this in my notes, she asks him if he's okay, which is not something that she's previously been good at. Yeah, yeah that's true. And she says, and, and she's very upfront about it. She's like, you've had a rough day. And he's like, yeah, let's not talk about it. But Oh, and she goes to check on him at the end yeah. before he gets, and he's not he ready to himself. talk to her. Right. But yeah. yeah. So she's, she's doing her part. We no, yeah, it. no, she's, she's, she's good in this one. Mm-hmm. I think this was this was definitely the book where I realized there was a thing between them. So I didn't read them in order. I, I don't think I'd read three at this point. I might have read two. I definitely had read seven and twelve. But like this was the one where I, like I just had had no clue. And then I read this and was like, oh, this is the best relationship that has ever existed. I was very into it. I feel like flying above someone as a bird and seeing their hair shine in the sunlight is about the level of romance I was ready for as a 13-year-old. Perfect. So it was perfect. It's so sweet. So now, what do you think this means for the relationship? Well, this is tricky, right? Because he is not a human. He is still a bird, but he gets two hours, you know, being a human to, like, do stuff, like, go to this award ceremony. Mm -hmm. So I think that their relationship is still going to be 
relatively one-sided until Rachel matures a little bit more. I don't even know that it is one-sided at this point. I think it's just a little imbalanced. Yes, I think, yeah, you're right. I I should have said imbalanced because I think she's going to, you know, accept it more eventually, but at the moment, Mm -hmm. not so much. But I think it's going to really strengthen their relationship that they can spend time doing, you know, other things. And not not just flying, but also they can both be, I don't know, bears together or something. Oh, that's so true. They have more options to explore. That's a good point. They don't have to be in a situation where one is in a body that is a morph and the other isn't. And they get that moment in this book because they're both... That's true. (laughs) They're a Harkbajir couple. Right. A gender-swapped Harkbajir couple. Oh, that's so true. There's something that feels really right about that. Mm-hmm. I I just, I want to remind you of the times where in the past, Gray, where you've been like, yeah, I like Rachel and Tobias, but like, he's a bird, so I guess it's not going to work out. And Ted and I were sitting there being like, she doesn't know. She has no idea. He had no idea, I, and I'm so happy. Luckily, until like you get to way, way ending stuff, I think this is the last big spoiler. Like, there are probably some other things that come up. But I think so, yeah. yeah we've established is, Tobias getting the last his morphing really back. That, this was the one where we, like, really didn't want you to find out. Yeah. I'm so pleased <laughs> that it was a surprise because You're somewhat I safe now. loved this. Yeah. I mean, because it really was that thing where, you know, as you're reading it, you're I didn't know what was going to happen. And I had all of so these, good. oh, God, what if he, you know, what if he becomes a human and he can't morph anymore? What if, you know, he... been the worst outcome. Right? And that was what I was worried about. And so... I, I had all of these fears, and then, okay, well, he can morph, but is he going to do the DNA melding thing so that he can be, mm-hmm. you know, have a human morph? Like, at least he'll be able right. to have a human morph, oh, but yeah. it won't be him anymore. What, what's that going to do to their relationship? And then somehow he's able to visit his dream self and get his own DNA. It doesn't make any sense. I don't care. Um, because he he's a, he acquires his younger self. Yeah. And my, I have this entire, entirely misspelled line that just says, oh my god, he acquires his younger sled. This is amazing. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because I was, ty- I was like, he becomes Rosebud. Spoiler. <laughs> I was just so enthusiastic. I like didn't even stop the spell check. Um, it just made me so happy. Everything about it. I do want to raise the question. So his human body, it's a morph based on DNA, it's not going to age. It's mm-hmm. already probably a little bit younger than mm-hmm. he is. It's going to get real awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Prepubescent Tobias. <laughs> I mean, I think pubescent. Can maybe he acquire ish. using this same technology? Can mm-hmm. he go and visit an older version of his dream self? <laughs> not well, that there, that would make any sense, but... Yeah, I'm not... I, I don't know. The Elmist would have to, like, owe him another favor, yeah. I guess. Something. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's going to be a weird relationship after a little while. I, can we talk about the Hork-Pajir couple? Yeah, let's do it. They're so great. They're Jeremy so and Ket Halbeck. I called them Ket and Jeremy in my head. <laughs> um, but they're so sweet, and they escape together, which I think is, I mean, obviously probably part of the Elemist's plan. Oh, yeah. But how interesting it is that this couple, they were together in the same yeah. place. Okay, so it's been at least 21 years since the Hork-Bajir homeworld was taken, because it had already happened in mm-hmm. Andalite Chronicles. Mm-hmm. So were they married on the Hork-Bajir homeworld? Yes. And they've just been, it's just been 20, over 21 years since they've seen each other. And they I, happened to get stationed. Together. I wonder if the Yurks just preferred to keep them together. Maybe. I mean, they they must need new Hork-Bajir. Mm-hmm. Like, the Yurks must breed the Hork-Bajir. Right? Yeah. So icky. I hate that. Yeah. But also, it seems like Horkbature fertility lasts a long time mm-hmm. because they're still talking about kids and they've been married for over 20 years. That's true. It's true. So, 
And let, they, maybe they were very young when they got married. Yeah. They're crazy cool, though. I mean, so, for example, uh, when they rescue Jeremy, not his wife, they're trying to establish that he is no longer being controlled, that it's not a trap. Mm-hmm. And this work bizarre oh, slices open <laughs> his own skull and, like, opens it, which is so gross, to show them that there's no yerk inside, which how would you be able to tell? It's not like the slug is living in your brain, like it's controlled. I mean, it dissolves and like is well, it? No, neurons? I think it is no. like. Let's take this in as canon. The the yerk is visible in the brain. Yeah. The yerk is visible in the brain. How is anyone getting like an MRI if they're a controller? Right. Controllers don't get MRI. The yerk is visible in the brain. That's <laughs> canon. A really good point. Okay, I think if a controller gets some sort of like brain damage that would be bad enough to need an MRI. The yerk just goes into a new human, and they get rid of the human. That would be my guess for what the yerks do. It's probably a good guess. Okay, but also, so he slices open his own head and then, like, puts it back together, and it heals eventually. And no wonder these guys are the shock troops of the galaxy. They can cut their own heads open and be fine. The thing where Jake and Cassie are eating their bodies at the end, like... Terrifying. How did Jake and Cassie know how much was safe to eat? Where the Harkinger are just like, yeah, it's fine. And then they're like, how did we ever defeat you in battle? (laughs) Right. What a good question. (laughs) What did you think of what I think is the biggest revelation of the book, which is that Hork-Bajir have blades because they carve the bark off of trees to eat it. And they are a peaceful vegetarian species. And they have the different blades in different parts of their body because there's like the bark that they slice and then they have a little blade to like cut it off at the top. But then they have knee blades because sometimes the bark is near the ground. You don't have to crouch down. It's weird. Presumably they're super healers because it's adapted from accidentally cutting themselves or each other or like falling out of trees. Yeah. If you have blades all over yourself, then like you guys all have to be really good healers or like, you know, kids would never grow up. I thought that was amazing. And what a great uh, nuance to the fact that we knew that they were sort of peaceful, but it's hard to imagine a being made entirely out of knives being particularly peaceful. And then you learn that there's actually a reason for that. It was awesome. The scene where they're eating the bark and Tobias is like, oh my gosh, this is why you have blades. This is how you eat. And then he's like, yeah, I have to go eat too. And Kat is like, here, have some bark. And he's like, no, I need different food. And he has this thing about how he never feels embarrassed about being a predator around humans because humans are like the biggest predator around. But like, here's this incredibly scary looking species that just eats the bark from trees. Yeah. And he, he had this idea before back in, um, I think it was the android when he's like, what if humans didn't have to like kill and stuff, right? Yeah. He kind of has this idea. And so here's a yeah. sentient, he's though like primitive closer species. To, I mean, I guess because he has to eat meat and he has to kill directly to eat. He's closer to being a vegetarian. Like in, he's, he's closer to the ideology of vegetarianism than Cassie is because we haven't heard her say anything about that. Mm-hmm. Right. No, like, that's totally true. Can we talk about that? Uh, the thing that you just mentioned, which is Axe describes them as being very primitive because their language is not as developed yeah. as his own. So he says, the hork were never a very intellectual species, Axe <laughs> said, with a hint of snobbery. Yeah. And my note there is just, f*** off, you guys destroyed their planet. Yeah. You don't get to be snobbish about the hork at all. But destroyed their planet. The Andalites definitely prize intellectualism above Jerks. other attributes. They're Though smart enough. The Animorphs come to the conclusion that they're not that bright. I think the they're probably too, not that is, bright. They're just, they're not thinkers. It's fine. Yeah. But what I was getting to is that the Animorphs do tend to adopt Andalite mm-hmm. ways of thinking pretty, right. pretty quickly, right? They have the same kind of like burn all the slugs thing that X does. And yeah. it's getting more nuanced, but they seem to just, despite the fact that Tobias acknowledges that X is being a snob, by the end <laughs> of the book, he's like, yeah, I guess yeah. 
Jeremy isn't that isn't that bright. Right. <laughs> but there are so many great things. I just how can you not love these sort of Oh, I love There's them. There's the bit where he's like his top priority is rescuing his wife, mm-hmm. right? And he had he's able to communicate with Axe and they almost get into a fight. And he talks about like, well, you Andalites failed, you failed us, and he's trying to articulate what Ken Halpak means to him. And he does this like tearing his own heart out gesture, which is a, a gesture that transcends species and language. Tobias is like immediately he's he's heartbroken, and then when they're eating again, he goes on this little monologue about all the amazing trees back on his home world mm-hmm. and he's like you know these trees are fine i guess and no Tobias, he's like oh uh, but but earth tree's good right yeah he <laughs> yeah, looks yeah, up earth to Tobias and he's like oh don't worry earth tree's good, earth tree's good. And, <laughs> yeah. and they're like which is it's just so nice he's so nice and tobias is like oh he's trying to make me feel better so that he's not insulting my trees i don't care and it's like well he doesn't know that and all know, they want to do so is nice. find a place they can have kids like they're the, yeah, they stayed up all night talking up. about kids they're First yeah. night free. About. This is our plan. We're going to escape. Right. We're going to have babies. Oh. And they have this amazing, like the whole free or die mentality. Yeah, free or dead. Like, something that the humans all love, right? They yes. Especially Rachel. Fits right oh, in. Oh, yeah. Ugh, so they're they're holding hands, and Tobias is like a little shy about interrupting them. They laugh so much when they realize the Animorphs are human. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> it's so true. Which I think is a really interesting... I mean, they they now not only realize that, okay, they're human, whatever, but they're, they're laughing because they're like, oh my god, they are after these Andalite bandits and yep. they're humans. Like, they yep. have this nuanced <laughs> approach to the strategy yeah. behind looking for these Animorphs. And- that's such an interesting raising of the stakes for the Animorphs, too. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I guess the Chi know their secret. But the Chi are going to be fine. Like, they just do their own thing. But here, like, you know, two hork are tough. But they're not nearly as tough as, as the Animorphs. And mm-hmm. it's just as bad for the Animorphs if either of them ever get invested That's again. True. Right? They so it's weakness. really raised yeah. the stakes for what the Animorphs mm-hmm. can do. Because now they have to play defensive a little bit, too. And, like, mm-hmm. sure, this valley is, is far away and stuff. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. I liked Marco's line. I don't mean to get all CIA about this, mm-hmm. but you know, if they know we're human, they can't ever be recaptured by the ears. So I was like, "Wow, what a statement on the CIA!" Yeah, no, so, it's a, it's that's a good that's line. A little, uh, way, to, way to tell the kids uh, what the CIA Although, is up to. I did wonder a tiny bit. Like, we you don't have to tell them you're humans. Morph somewhere else where they can't see you, and then come back. Like, we, yeah, that's true. We, they could have done that. Would have been hard to keep up, right? Because Rachel acquires. They tell him to turn around. Oh, yeah. When yeah, she yeah. acquires they him do, for the first yeah. time, right? And then the next um, time they're like, "I guess we trust them enough." Like, you don't have to. Yeah, because they even if they trust them, like Ted was saying, it is a weakness yeah. that they're creating for themselves, which is uh, risky. Yeah, I don't think. I also I really liked the other Jeremy moment that I liked was when that bit where they reveal themselves. This is after Tobias gets his morphing power back or something, but they ask Tobias if he's a human, and he says. Well, I, I was, but I changed. And so it's the title of the book, right? But then Jeremy's like, well, I changed too. Not free. Now free. And I, I love that. I love the, for once, the title of the book is uh, pretty on point. Now free. It's true. I really liked all the stuff. I mean, we touched on this a little bit with like, you know, Tobias's human life wasn't that great. There's a lot he likes about being a bird. But there's also a lot about him being like confused about his identity in this, which is it's really tough. Mm-hmm. He says... My name is Tobias, and I am human, partly. Most of my mind is human. At least I think it is. 
Wouldn't that be so tough? Because like so much of being human is like, you know, the information you receive from your body. And he hasn't had any of that in so long. Right. Like at what point are you less human and more this sort of new thing? And that's um, played out pretty directly with the Elemist vision, yeah, yeah. right? When mm-hmm. the Elemist summons him into this weird space-time mm-hmm. thing where they can mm-hmm. communicate in a moment of time. It's like a turquoise void. Tobias perceives himself as this, like, half-bird, half-human interconnected web, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To me, it's like, it actually, the scene does a great job of portraying this kind of, like, sci-fi extra-dimensional vision type thing. Because mm-hmm. it's sort of, like, all connected and trippy and two things existing at once. Yeah. And it's part of this whole thematic puzzle about, do you really just want to be a human again, Tobias? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And I mean, it's not really the same thing because they weren't so much in a vision. I mean, they were in a vision, but it was more reality-based vision in Seven. But like in Seven, when he shows up, he's just in a human body. Right. Is that meant to be like he was still clinging to his humanity harder than or Mm -hmm. or I mean, or is it just a different kind of vision? It's hard to say. And he was, I mean, there the take was that. Tobias in human form was a manipulation tactic. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So actually, to be honest, here it could be you can make the same argument right. that he's showing himself, he's showing Tobias this yeah. half human, half bird thing to lean him in that direction. Mm-hmm. But it does reflect pretty directly some of the things that Tobias had already been thinking about. Yeah, the Alamus says he he shows up as this like weird like all raptor birds. Amalgam with a rainbow mm-hmm. tail, and he's like, "I chose a shape that you would identify with." <laughs> oh, shut up! Yeah, he you. really is. Yeah, he's a, he's a piece of work. I thought it was an interesting theme how often Tobias thought about how about pity and other people feeling mm-hmm. sorry for him and how tough that was for him. Mm-hmm. We've talked before. He's very good at being vulnerable in the narration and being honest with himself, and he's not as good at being vulnerable with the others, even with Rachel and like. This thing where he's just found out about the award ceremony and he says he doesn't want anyone feeling sorry for him. And the, the text is, I don't feel sorry for you, Rachel lied. It's like, whoa. <laughs> like, Tobias can't actually know she's lying. Like, that is his reading of it. Like, he thinks she's lying. Yeah, that's great. And then at the end, he's like, but I didn't want pity, not even Rachel's pity. I was dealing with things, but I was barely dealing. And I felt like if someone was nice to me, I'd totally fall apart. Ugh. Yeah, he's not up for falling apart in front yeah. of someone else. Hmm. He's still kind of hiding from them, those feelings. He does, though, say that he loves Jake when he gets saved at the end. <laughs> yeah. For that. Maybe Aww. he just loves birds. <laughs> like, Jake does this it awesome bird dive. for me to say that I love you, man? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty... Um, there are a lot of outs in that. There are a lot of outs, but good for him. Speaking of Jake, a big sleepy kid in sneakers and a jacket. Big. He's big, which I'm just going to say, I think subtextually what she's saying is that he's taller than 5'2". Yeah. <laughs> That's what I got out of that. I also, I just, it's such a great, because like, they're like so exhausted, right? He's sleeping in class. I don't read this as like normal teen sleeping in class. I read this as Jake being like totally exhausted. And then they go on this like 36 hour nonstop adventure, right? They go home because they're like, oh man, we're all going to get grounded if we stay out. And then Axe wakes them up before dawn to hike into this (laughs) secret valley. All day. Yep. Presumably they all get grounded or skip class or whatever. Yeah. It did seem like they got to sleep on Sunday. Actually, I love that about this book. So there's no opening caper or there sort of is like because they have opening caper where they they rescue Jera and then. But that's not really an opening caper. That's like the beginning of the plot. Right. But it's like sort of structurally. But right. It's all one plot. And then it's all this continuous action scene. I think this is what you were saying at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But they managed to pack all this stuff in. There's all this great work with your world building that. The Elemist comes back. There's all these really like seismic shifts in what the series, like what's yeah. going on with the series. 
It's mm-hmm. just like so impressive. And it's so different from the book that we just read. Like 12 yeah. is like nothing happens. Yeah. It's just about having fun I mean, with the 12 characters was great, and being really but it silly. Was, yeah, yeah it's no, no, no. But silly. so it's amazing that the series contains both of these things, mm-hmm. right? Right after each other. I'm excited to talk about this in the context of 14, which I think is, again, a different type of book. Yeah. 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 That'll be interesting. Even the parts where there was a little bit of downtime, one of the things that Applegate does really well is bring in a lot of the bird um, stuff about being a bird. Mm-hmm. So she talks about, you know, the updrafts and what kind of birds can see in the dark and how well they can see and kind of the the different ways birds fly. There's a joke in there about jays are gangsters and like they gang They're up gangsters because they mob up on you. Oh. I did not catch that. <laughs> Oh, That's man. very bad, and I love it. <laughs> but it's just interesting that even even in those sort of downtimes, it's it's night, and I can't see anything, and I'm hungry, and now I'm flying through the woods, and I'm not meant right. to fly through the woods. Yeah. And I'm all you really how, get to see the limits of his bird. But how amazing thermals are, and how beautiful yeah. the sunrise is. Yeah. If I had to get stuck as an animal, this would be the one. Not a taxon, for the record. Mm-mm. So one thing about Tobias being more hawk brain at this point mm-hmm. is he has no problem controlling morphs even though he's the least experienced right Ooh, when he morphs into the raccoon so he basically is just like oh yeah a raccoon's just a predator he, well, he feels like no has- transition at all and then with the hork bajir i guess they're like peaceful or whatever he, i don't even think he comments on what hork bajir instincts are like do you think he had but, more trouble with like a prey animal possibly yeah. right but i think there's something to the idea that like it's the difference between human and the other thing that matters. So if, if you're saying, so like, how much has his brain actually he still changed? Has, when, he still has all the hawk instincts when he's in a different animal, right? Well. Right? Because now his hawk body is in Z-space, connected to his human body in Z-space. Uh, Elmus is introducing a lot of weird <laughs> loopholes by re-granting this power. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure, like, at some point when he's... I guess the raccoon, he's like, I kept feeling like I should pull up, which might be like what he's learned yeah. from his human brain. But like, no, I think you're right. I'm pretty sure the hawk brain is still yeah. just as much there as it is in his hawk body. I think so. But maybe the, then maybe I just misread this, but when he gets really angry in the hork bajir body, I thought part of that was the instinct. Part of it was his own well, anger. Yeah, time, could be. But... Could be. Maybe the hork bajir don't like taxons. Well, <laughs> I did reasonable. actually... Very reasonable. I did think it was pretty unfounded that the hork instincts would be so good at fighting. Maybe they fight each other and that's a thing, but if they strip bark from trees and that's why they have blades, like, why does Tobias know how to fight when he is, like, in an untrained hork I thought that was really unrealistic. I yeah. agree that doesn't make okay. any sense. Yeah. Well, they do have the moment where when Rachel... That's true. There's the dominance works. ritual, which must be yeah. entirely instinctive, which is very interesting in a sentient species. It is very interesting for that. It uh, it did remind me a tiny bit of what she describes them as, which is um, uh, deer with antlers, mm-hmm, where it, mm-hmm. again, like they're sort of an herbivore, yeah. mostly sort of species that do these dominance battles that are actually yeah. fighting, um, where people can be injured and, and so on. So it kind of makes sense yeah, to me that right, they might fair. have some, right? It might be like over, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they should be actual warriors without and training. It did. It was really striking to me that like. I mean, humans have dominance rituals, but they're so heavily socialized mm-hmm. and, like, they vary from society to society. And the fact that, like, Rachel could morph a hork deer, get only the instincts, and suddenly participate flawlessly in this dominance ritual, like, there is a different amount of the hork deer brain that is controlled by instincts, I would guess. Yeah, I'll, I guess that does make sense, given the sentience. I was thinking, it, like, the crocodile, she gets the dominance ritual right away, but right. that's very different. But that's a different kind a, of yeah, you're animal. Right. Yeah. I wonder if Tobias is going to have trouble with human instincts. 
morphing back to a human, <laughs> hawk human. Yeah, hawk because, sandwich. <laughs> yeah, because he hasn't had a human body, even though he has a human brain. And there is this weird brain-body duality thing where, like, a human brain wouldn't really operate the way a human brain does without a human body, but, mm. like, it sort of does in these because of the morphing. Mm. Um, I have two tiny things. Okay. Oh, no, three tiny things. Okay. One is uh, Tobias wishes he could have Wheaties for breakfast. Yes! I noticed that. Wheaties are, like, the cereal of this series. I I don't know what to say, guys. Yeah. I mean, my headcanon hasn't changed. Yep. <laughs> um, I would also... Stick to it. I think we should. Uh, the things that are hauled in this... Oh, I didn't even he notice. He teaches the horse bajir about hauling butt. Yes. He's, he's, <laughs> he's really doing it. humanity's work. Yeah. Here. Hauling butt. Uh, I hauled like I've never hauled before. Um, and then uh, hauled his tail feathers. Yes. I thought that was quite funny. Um, and Tobias feels the same about morphing as I do. Mm. Um, yeah. Those descriptions were really something. Yeah. Weren't they just? Uh, yes, he describes Specifically it Specifically the fur. That's <laughs> what I have highlighted. It is, uh, it's never the same twice, and it is always, always gross. Bodies melted, weird appendages grew suddenly here and there. Fur grew like one of those time-lapse videos of mold just shooting out of the skin. You missed the line where teeth appeared before there was a mouth to hold them. Also, so gross. (laughs) Just yeah, the fur one was like, or the the fur being described as mold got to me in a way these don't usually because I don't want to think of my body as being made of mold. Welcome to the club. Pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the shorms? Aww, go for it. This has my favorite bit of dialogue I think in the series so far. When uh, oh, yes. Axe comes up to I Tobias, <laughs> and I'll just read the whole thing. Tobias says, Hi, Axe Man. Hello, Tobias. You heard me? I was trying to be silent. <laughs> You're very quiet for a big old four-legged, two-handed, four-eyed, scorpion-tailed alien. Axe laughed. Ha, huh, one of these nights I may show you. <laughs> Tobias replies, Ha, right, and eagles may fly out of my butt. Is that possible? <laughs> Axe asked, sounding alarmed. No, see, that's why it's funny. I understand, Axe said, clearly not understanding at all. <laughs> Poor Axe is just at sea in this human humor. <laughs> I just, I love it so much. It's so funny. <laughs> I understand, Axe said, clearly and not earlier understanding he at says, all. <laughs> I forget what he says, but Axe's reply is, I am as peeless as you, Tobias. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Did that scare the pee out of you right. too, or is it just me? <laughs> I'm as peeless as you. Which, is he? How to Andalites? Hey, it's knows? interesting. So they don't. We kind of had this loose thread from book eight where Axe really thinks Tobias is going to ask him about being an Othlin, oh, and it never comes up because now Tobias That's isn't true. an Othlin anymore. That's true. He's like so, a, a different direction. They could have gone. Part two. We don't know. We still don't know what Andalites learn about Nothlins. <laughs> like That's we were just true. talking about in Andalite Chronicles. Maybe too, the only way out of it is to do a favor for the Elmist, right? Which they don't really believe in. This is a totally different topic, but the bit where Rachel is morphing a hork which was just great overall. Uh, Marco says, it's Rachel's greatest thrill. Morph a hork Hey, she'll finally get to become on the outside when she's always been inside. Which is incorrect because that happened in book seven when she became the grizzly bear. I don't know. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of agree with Marco here. It's kind of perfect. <laughs> Although I guess not really because hork are actually vegetarians. Actually peaceful, so. yeah. I did, like, so the Yerks were like two minutes away and they're like, okay, Rachel, acquire and change it to this hork And I was like, okay, so they think she can morph in like... Uh, well yeah, under they're two definitely minutes. getting they're definitely getting better at it. I feel like maybe like a minute is around like the 
the morph limit. Like, maybe Cassie can go faster, but, like, when Marco and Axe were morphing incredibly fast, falling out of the thing in Megamorphs, it was, like, a minute per morph. So I think mm. maybe that's, like, the, the threshold. And that thing where Axe is morphing in book five, and they're like, It'll, we'll give it three minutes. Like, maybe that was just being generous in the timeline, because... Right. Or maybe they're not really paying attention. <laughs> they're not paying as close attention as we are to the minutiae of these books. So there are a couple of taxon things in this book I just wanted to highlight for everybody. Mm. Um, so Tobias is attacked by a bobcat, which is, like, super scary. He mm-hmm. hauls like he's never hauled before. <laughs> um, but he's saved by a taxon, which comes rearing up out of the darkness and swallows a bobcat in a single bite. The whole bobcat. Yeah, eating a whole bobcat. Terrifying. Well, these things are like four feet across, so like a bobcat would easily just fit inside. Yeah, I guess their mouths just... must open really wide. All right, but it's but... the whole top of their head open. Yeah, that seems but right. But you want to so know? Just a tube. You don't want to. You want to know why the taxon was in the forest at all? It's yes, because I do. there's a special kind of taxon that hunts by smell, like a bloodhound. They have like mm-hmm. these bloodhound mm-hmm. taxi controllers that can trace the scent of the horkbajir wherever they go. Yeah, special breed. It's the worst. <laughs> Taxons keep getting worse. Yeah, so that means that if they got a scent of like one of our scents, they could just track us no matter where we were. Oh my god! You're welcome. <laughs> it's not a problem for the android. <laughs> he has no smell. He's the only you have one no smell, saying. Jenny. Not going to say anything about that. <laughs> I smell like Wheaties. He, there's a bit about oak bark that Tobias is. He's sitting in a tree and uh, he likes the oak because he can really sink his claws into it mm. and fall asleep more easily. Man, he never gets a good night's sleep it anymore. And he can't even do it in human morph because he can only be human for two hours. Oh, oh gosh. He has to invest in that thing where you sleep for like an hour and a half at a time, time and then yeah. wake up. Yep. I will Rachel say Rachel can that wake him up. Yes, she can. The him being in the tree and thinking about Rachel did make me write new lyrics to Rachel and Tobias flying over the trees. Not ever K-I-S-S-I-N-G because he's a bird. <laughs> but now, <laughs> and then potentially, now he, now he can. that could happen. That was my oh song my at the beginning of the book and then it turned out. I think they would both have to agree that there was a thing there first, so... I can't believe that this insane plan worked. There were so many times at which it could have gone wrong, and yet it worked. I was shocked. It was great. I love how Fister 3 is not at all suspicious that the Horkmature fall and the wolves immediately start eating them. But also, it was just a very good plan. Like, it for was once, a good plan. someone was a good tactician. Yes, it was. And it was Tobias and Jake collaborating. Secret they both came leader, up the plan together. Leader and secret leader. It's a great plan. And it's come a, back and Jarrah have me free. It's a really good, like, we came up with a plan, and then they sort of. String you along without revealing it, where Rachel's jumping off a cliff, and it's like, oh, how are they possibly going to get out of this Mm -hmm, one? Why do they need Marco? Yeah. Okay, so there's there's a principle in in storytelling where if they tell you the details of the plan, the plan has to go wrong. It's going to fail, right. Mm -hmm. And if they don't tell you, then it's going to work out. So they didn't tell us the details Mm -hmm. of the plan, so it's going to work out. It's like a plot-related Chekhov's gun. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. If you see it, it has to. There are some really good getting into Tobias's headlines. So he um, he's talking about predators of hawks at night or hawk problems at night. Mm-hmm. And when he talks about owls, he goes in this whole thing about how owls are so scary because <laughs> they're quiet. And he's like, it makes me nervous. But what can you do? I guess everyone has problems, right? Oh, he's like, he's like so mature. You know, people don't have these problems like you had. <laughs> Come on. But he's always had this type of this level of problem. Like he's always like he's never had a safe, happy life. Uh-huh. And so it does feel normal to him, probably. Earlier, he um, when he's introducing Cassie, he talks about how he thinks of her as this kind of nature warrior. Oh, and he's like, 
he's sort of like, well, yeah, maybe that's like I'm making too much out of it. I have a lot of time to think, and I guess that makes me get too serious sometimes. Well, like, seriously, how does he spend his time? He doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have books. Yeah. Like, he just flies around and thinks all the time. Right, but that's that's his, I don't know, it feels oh, it feels so Tobias. He just, yeah. his, uh, we haven't seen, we've only had one book from his point of view, yeah. but I feel like he's really, he's, he he's a character that real. I know really well. Yeah. This isn't really just that, but... There are definitely some nice things about being a hawk, and flying with Rachel is probably the nicest. Not flying, flying with Rachel. Mm-hmm. He he also thinks his tail is pretty when he's leading the hawk around at the beginning. He's yes. like, "I'm the brown bird with the pretty tail. Come on!" <laughs> um, and then he he does his classic hawk shout, which is not a noise that I can replicate. Seer. Um, uh, right. <laughs> Shout out to my friend like Peter, it. who had a really good high pitched hawk noise oh. when we were reading these back in middle school. But the uh, he says like Seer, I screamed, I Seer, I screamed in a combination of fear and total powered up red tailed excitement. So another moment where he likes being a hawk. I love how directly the book answers this question. Sometimes I asked myself if I had to do it all over again, if I could never become Tobias the hawk and only be Tobias the boy, would I actually do it? And it turns out that no, he would do things the way he did. And I think I mean he's the only one we've seen. We've seen the rest of them get to like have the option of opting out, like, sort of in the middle, like, Rachel had the option of leaving, and all of them have had moments where they're like, do I want to be in this fight? And he's the only one so far who's gotten to, like, choose it from the beginning. Like, he could have just kept himself totally out of it, but he does not do that. That's so true. Do you want to talk about the Elemist some more? Yeah, we... Does At some point, does he say, like, at least an Elemist? He does. Like, mm-hmm. is Tobias greatest? addresses him as the yeah. Elemist, and yeah. he says, that's right, Elemist, or at least an Elemist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's right. an interesting implication. Well, so he says a couple of things. So he, when he talks about book seven, he says, I looked deep into the future and found a way to help you without using my power directly. Mm-hmm. Don't the hork deserve the same chance? We do not interfere. We do not use our power <laughs> for, for one species against another. And the Elmist says that they may still fail. Mm-hmm. but calls Tobias a beginning of something. Oh, mm. yeah, a point on which an entire timeline may turn. Right, so... I was like, aren't, isn't everyone that? Is he, a, is he a, like, a point upon which a more significant timeline might turn? Maybe. So I think there's a lot here in terms of the Elemist's spin on his own power, mm-hmm. right? We talked mm-hmm. in Book 7 about, like, is the future predetermined and he's just manipulating them, they've already made these choices, and the Elemist is definitely saying, no, you can still fail, you can still fail. And then, like... You know, Tobias talks about putting his little finger in, like, the time stream or something, (laughs) right? Like, so the Elemist with, like, his space warping and giving Tobias visions, that seems like using his power that he's disclaiming, right? But, you know, so it's like, I'm not sure what the boundary is here and what he's trying to... There is some boundary and he's playing with it, but we don't understand what it is. And Tobias calls him on that, doesn't he? Am I making that up? Where No, I think he does, yeah. Yeah, you're the... He calls him the puppet master. (laughs) But then he says... Right. The, we do not interfere. We do not use our power for one species against another. Bull, I said. <laughs> um, Tobias. Um, <laughs> he just said bull. He yeah. didn't follow it up with anything. And then that's exactly just what Ted said, that there's no guarantee you're going to succeed. So I like that Tobias calls him on that. Yeah. But also, seriously, what is his plan? <laughs> it's just, it's such a bizarre plan that well, he's going to get too... Of this, you know, but it's, gonna have lots of but kids. you don't. But remember how bad the future was in book seven, right? Oh, if he yeah. hadn't led Rachel to realize where the Kendrona was, it would have been so much worse than. Well, hopefully, then hopefully it's going to be. So this is hopefully similar. He looked far into the future. Maybe the like, Animorphs would have killed all the Horkpatir. 
Right, yeah. Yeah, another quantum virus situation or something. Right. Oh, I meant just they're killing a lot of them. They're just one by one. Right, right, right. Well, presumably all the work was here on Earth. <laughs> that, right? Okay, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, the Andalites will kill the rest of them. Yeah. So, yeah, so who, so who, right, who knows, but like, presumably there's some other similarly important little thing that Tobias is doing here. But, okay, so that's, that's in this whole trippy scene where he's like, the Elemist the reveals himself to Tobias. And he's playing games with like, do you, what do you really want? I know what you want. Do you know what you want? But then at the end, Tobias just like wakes up as if he's in a dream, but when he's warped into the past, right? And Tobias thinks, I had forgotten this dream, hadn't mm-hmm. I? And he he basically has this kind of thing where like, should he try and change the past? No, he's going to reinforce that day before Tobias goes through the construction site and he acquires the DNA and stuff. So there's kind of this implication that in the original, in you know, the night before book one, this actually mm-hmm. happens to the Tobias that we know already, which is yeah. kind of the more like fulfilling your destiny time travel type thing. That's very different from what the Elemist was saying about how we can change the future before. Yeah, right? that's true. I had forgotten this dream, hadn't I? Maybe. Ooh, maybe it's sort of like in book 11 where like, I mean, we didn't, okay, we didn't really see this in book 11, but maybe it's a back to the future style time travel, mm-hmm. where if he'd never gotten his morphing power back, he would have entirely forgotten the dream, and it was just fading slowly over time as, like, you know, circumstances carried right. him towards or away from mm-hmm. a timeline well, in which that, that happened. My question is more, that could be true, but has the fact that this has happened already limited the element's options, right? If he already knows somehow that Tobias has acquired his DNA from himself in hawk form, he can't He can't turn him back into a boy given this morphing power because this has already happened, right? But does the Elemis live in the time stream? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but certainly, and like, if you think about kind of plotting out the different timelines that have been created, if Book 7 creates a new timeline, Book 7 Tobias already had this traveling to, into the past thing happen to him. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. like... Did, he, did they try to free the hork in the version of the future that we saw in Book 7, but it was still much worse? It's, you know, you can't keep track it's of it. The books aren't interested in answering this question. But, um. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, I know what you mean. That's so. It's like maybe the Elemist exists outside the time stream, and so he was sort of doing all of those things at once, but some of them are dependent on each other because that's how time works, so what does it even mean to be outside the time stream? I don't know. Are you ready for my crazy theory, though? Yes. During that first bit, when they're in the turquoise void, and the Elmas is kind of like playing games with like, do you really know what you want? Uh Um, He looks, and so Elmas shows up in bird form and then kind of goes into like half, like weird extra dimensional form, the same way Tobias is, and he talks about how Tobias is this really important beginning, and then Tobias is staring deep into his eyes, and he's like, Eyes that were a disturbing mirror image of my own. Yeah. So what if the <gasps> Elemist is like... Future Tobias? Future Tobias or like oh Tobias's secret father or some kind of like... I love like, that all of our crazy theories have to do with Tobias. <laughs> right. So so it's some... The whole point is that the like maybe it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like he's not talking about... Like Tobias has been really key to both Elemist things and he's not... He's shaping, maybe Tobias isn't the Elemist, but he's like, will create the Elemist in the future or something, right? So it's all about fulfilling this like time loop type thing that so now they he has have to, to come create back himself to. so that he can Right, go out. which is why it makes sense. All the pieces have to kind of click mm-hmm, into place. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Tobias is like part, 
he starts out part human or <laughs> referencing grace theory, part Andalite, part human. Now he's part hawk and soon he'll be part everything in the whole universe. Taking wow. Over. Okay. I love um, it. Tobias is the singular. Speaking of which I was tracking points for, <laughs> yes, I was tracking points for and against uh, grace theory. Okay. Ooh, okay. Go on. One of the first things that Tobias says in the book is I was born a human. Shoots down the theory. <laughs> Maybe, um, like, but we said he just didn't notice the tail. So, but he is very defensive and says to Rachel, "I don't get lost." So maybe he inherited <gasps> some of the oh Andalite super sense about directions. <laughs> Perfect. You know, he knows how to get to the construction site. I think it's pretty solid evidence right there. Yeah, yeah. That was it. That was two points of evidence. <laughs> one so, for, one against. And there is this bit about he's he's kind of remembering the picture of his human life. Warm golden light, the TV, couches, beds, and tables. And I saw my parents, at least the way I remembered my parents from photographs. I'd been too young when they left to really be able to remember them, but I used to have pictures of them. I don't know what they looked like. They left. They didn't Mm. die. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, all right, maybe that doesn't go quite with my thing, but maybe they left because they had to get back to the end of my homework. And there was this whole point about where he's Mm -hmm. like, I always felt like I was seven years older than all of my friends, but I could never explain it. That's why he's so mature. Uh, that's perfect he's really so funny good. this is an inappropriate romance so good. oh it's all very bad but that's okay his body will stay 13 oh, even though no. he's always going to be 7 years older than Rachel and Ugh. eventually her body will be way older than his is it's all very bad it's fine it cancels out <laughs> sure. I sure hope so because my whole theory is going to go to shit if it does no, well, we'll find out next yeah. week all right, a couple more things that I love about the Orc Bajir. So okay. we get the answer. We get the answer to the question about what's the difference between a male and female Orc Bajir, and mm-hmm. it's their the number of horn blades. It's either two yeah. or three, and some secret genitals thing that only Orc Bajir <laughs> get to know. She said primly, I know, <laughs> which is hilarious. And also Marco's suggestion that they get the Orc Bajir an apartment and find them jobs because I would totally watch that sitcom. They're that the would most be an adorable characters. Sitcom. Trying to watch them survive in the human Would world. they be in human morphs? No, 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 no. Just it's just like, here? yeah. And everyone would be terrified of them, but then be won over by their sweet and gentle nature? I think so. I think okay. that's what it would have to be like. Do you think... It's that... like a sitcom, a multi-camera okay. sitcom. Would they like just go out and buy bark? Or would they go to the forest to strip bark to eat? I think they would grow trees inside their house. Okay, all right. So an unusual apartment. Right. And once they have kids, you can have the kids come sliding down the banister. Oh, man, Aww. yeah. What jobs would they get? I think one would I be, think I think one would be a school teacher would be right a secretary <laughs> working in an office <laughs> you know, filing things seems really butcher oh butcher yeah that I, makes yeah. too much sense so, <laughs> you gotta think of something funnier oh okay something that's home. yeah and the kids trying to go to school with the humans yeah would be tough. Maybe they would acquire more language skills than their parents had. Yeah, and it would be like yeah. a translation kind of a thing. Oh, you know? interesting. First yeah. generation. Yeah. Well, it depends. Yeah. Is it, do do we think that maybe Horkwitcher brains have less language ability? Because if their language doesn't have as many words, like that probably means their, their like language processing centers aren't as... But they learned enough human to be able to survive. They did. They do a pretty good job. Yeah. They, they know a lot of words. Pretty impressive. Yeah. And five-finger words is not... 
an outrageously small vocabulary. I think yeah. that's probably not an accurate thing. That's also true. That's yeah. like Axe even says, like, at least that's what we learned in school. Right. And also he probably wasn't paying attention. So yeah. we okay. know him. that's probably not true then. <laughs> <laughs> the average person is a lot more words than five hundred, sorry. <laughs> I have one other note. When they reveal themselves to the Horkbajir as humans, which is maybe, or is not sure why they yeah, do it, yeah. you get this this mirror of a moment in Book 11 when they're talking about maybe doing it, but oh, they haven't yeah. decided, and Rachel starts morphing to human. And as she's doing that, Jake says, yeah, we might as well trust them, which we've seen from his point of view is like, Rachel's rushing off ahead, so I better make up something like, oh, all right, Rachel and I will go back and you guys keep going, yeah, yeah. where he's just basically covering for her recklessness. So yeah. that could be an explanation of why they did something. <laughs> That's a good point. It's yeah, just Rachel's yeah. fault. Seems right. I don't know anything else. Should we uh, talk about 14? Sure. Let's talk about 14. Yeah. The That's unknown. Cool. So uh, fittingly, this should be one yeah. you can't predict because it's unknown. It seems right. Um, okay, so it's a Cassie book, and yeah. she is morphing into a horse, mm-hmm. which is a great morph, although, again, the pictures are very, <laughs> very bad. Uh, that's just mean. Oh, that second picture is bad. The third one's kind of elegant. I kind of like it. Um, I don't. Okay, that's fair. The one that's next to the horse looks just like horse, and they get increasingly that's bad. That's true. Uh, okay, and the little subtext is never underestimate the power of a morph. Okay. Good advice. Why would she need a horse? Not that what they're morphing in the cover necessarily corresponds to what they do in the book, but... Well, they um, always morph the thing. But yes, I'm still mad about Do they about always the morph stuff. something new on the cover? Is this the first time? Because she already has a horse. Maybe she gets a new horse, but, like, she already has a horse. Uh, well, the wolf wasn't new. Good and point. it was the wolf <laughs> instead of the skunk. Yeah. Which I'm still mad. So Cassie doesn't get new horse. <laughs> <laughs> she just doesn't like animals that much is the thing. She's already got all the morphs. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> they might need horses because the new sharing event uh-huh. is going to be at a rodeo. A rodeo! A rodeo. And so Whoa. in order to infiltrate this event of the sharing, uh-huh. Cassie shows up in her horse morph, and Marco is the <laughs> cowboy rider, and they enter into the, uh, the junior rodeo. Do they win? Um, no, because Cassie kicks him off really fast, because actually Mark is a really terrible writer. <laughs> you don't think he, they could use their human intelligence to collaborate? I think they could, but she's just really excited yeah. about throwing him into the dirt. No, that's fair. And he's bad at driving a car, so obviously oh, yeah. he's going to be he's bad at driving be a horse. Yeah. yeah, but he'll think that he will be. Exactly. Right. He's right. played rodeo video games. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's played the thing at the supermarket where you, like, put it in the quarter and you ride, <laughs> yeah, like, the bull or whatever. <laughs> yes, he's done that, and so he knows he's going to be great. Right. Um, and so Cassie just uses the opportunity to dump him, and then he, uh, you know, gets taken away to, to be fixed up or whatever. And mm-hmm. so they, that's how they infiltrate. I see. Okay. Yeah. Did, did you, you have any, any follow-up questions? Um, <laughs> not that it wouldn't be a spoiler. No. <laughs> I kind of want to ask what's in the thing and see if she can guess right. it, but maybe not. Yeah. That's that's the question that comes to mind. It's such a spoiler. Yeah. Okay. Come on, ask me anyway. I'm going to read the book next. That's that's true. Should we ask her anyway? Go for it. Okay. If there were an equivalent of an Area 51 in this world, what would it contain? I mean, I'm trying to pick a specific alien. That's what (laughs) I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Because there are lots of aliens. So maybe uh, uh, Antarian Bog Beasts. Okay. All right. All right. 
We'll see. That's a legit guest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Will they acquire them then? Well, sure. Okay. Just check. If given the opportunity. Who wouldn't acquire an Antarian body? Why didn't you put that on the cover? You know? <laughs> I guess it would have been a big spoiler. Exactly. Yeah. Wait. Let's talk about the cover to book 13. It's oh, a bird yeah. morphing into, into a boy. boy. I did Except guess what boy it's not. It's not yes. Tobias because it doesn't look anything it's like Jake. Tobias. It's yeah, he, he acquired not, Jake by mistake. Oh, that's a really good point. So I actually asked you the thing of what Tobias morphs into before you looked at the cover because I didn't want you to guess that he was morphing into a human. Oh, <laughs> that makes me really happy. I hadn't noticed. Yeah. Cute. I wonder, so I, I remember reading... That old, like, 1997-1998 interview with Kay Applegate that you posted mm-hmm, on Tumblr, mm-hmm. Jenny, where people were talking about, oh, Tobias is the best. Can you, like, make him a boy again or whatever? Yeah, so yeah. I wonder how much the plot of this book was, <laughs> like, succumbing to fan pressure. <laughs> and how much of the book was, well, we've run out of bird stories. And how much of the book was, the one. <laughs> we need to have him morphing on the covers from now on. So he's going to be able to morph somehow. <laughs> It is yeah. a very fan service book, and I didn't hate it for that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It had the romance, and it had him being human again. Yeah. A big, huge win for the Animorphs. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah, actually, now yeah. they have a full sixth, sixth Morph-capable member of their Yeah, and they group. saved a whole species. Yeah, although Grey has questions about how that's going to play out. At but, some you know, cost. still yeah. a good yeah. start. The Alamus is giving them all of their big wins. That <laughs> kind of it kind of oh, robs them of wow. some of their agency, right? That's so. I mean, seven, they've had a lot of smaller wins. They've had a lot of smaller wins. Like the skunks was like the biggest win that they've had that has felt right. Like the sk- mm. yeah, well, that was a very small win, but felt really good. But like they they managed to keep yeah. Jeremy Jason McCall from spreading the word. I guess they, we'll return. They, they did the thing with the Pemlite crystal. They enabled right. Slight spoiler. Thing. We'll return to this. But the Elemist really this this kind of Elemist device really bothers me in in a series like this because mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. you basically have God on your side, right? <laughs> it, it sort of removes convenient, some mistakes, even though he keeps saying they can fail, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a big narrative out. So yeah. hopefully, but we won't I mean, see they've, it all they've the time. had enough enough other victories. But you're right that like these are two two big ones that the Elemist really helped with. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Next time, next time, uh, the unknown. We'll find out what it is that is so unknown. If you want to find us, we are at animorphology.com and at animorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the books on our website. The Elmist is like, well, what do you want? He's like, you know what I want. I Which... want you. I should be Elmist Tobias now. <laughs> really? Really? No, no, no. no. That's yeah. non-canon. If you edit this in, you have to edit in this part. It was a joke. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that's binding.